the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to tonight's Andrea K. Show on this Taco Tuesday, the day after September 11th. And we are going to actually be continuing to discuss September 11th today because you know what? There's shocking information to share with you guys in the day after 9-11. There's also shocking information to share with you guys about a weaponized Department of Justice here. Someone was actually sentenced for 60 days today who never went inside the, Jan- the Capitol on January 6th. And and, and one of the reasons why we're going to continue to talk about September 11th is because we find out the day after September 11th that the U.S. government has agreed to give the number one state sponsor in terror $6 billion. Good thing that Frank Gaffney from the Center for Securing Policy is going to be here after the first break to talk about the national security implications of that decision. We've also got the New Mexico governor defending herself today, continuing to justify her constitutional snatch on guns that's even got those on the left upset at her today. So much to get into and so little time. Before I go any further, i got to introduce kind of... I uh, DJ on the AK show. It's DJ Sour Cream and Onion. <laughs> What's up, girl? <laughs> also known as the obligation hire, the family member that was in the studio last week that struggled in pressing a few buttons, I jest. Yeah, well, um, I'm still running from the cops, so I'm keeping, yeah. <laughs> keeping it low. <laughs> He's still running from the cops. Yeah, uh, he probably tried to to pinch a gallon of gas uh, for less than six dollars, which is what is costing around the hood. Um, but enough about my family members' criminal past. Let's talk about the criminality going on in the U.S. government. Did finally the Republican Party step up to try to hold Joe Biden accountable for the fact that he not only lied to the American people that he never had anything to do, never talked to Hunter Biden about any of his business dealings? But the documented evidence that he had actually sold off the United States of America in a pay-for-play scheme that involved some play and a shift in policy on behalf of the U.S. government. I don't know what's taken the Republican Party so long. Well, I guess we rhetorical question, by the way. But today, is there finally an attempt at holding Joe Biden and a corrupt Biden administration accountable? Well, uh, Kevin McCarthy seems to think so. After a long wait, he's finally decided to push forward towards impeachment. Or really, here's what he had to say today. That's why today I am directing our House committee to open a formal impeachment inquiry into President Joe Biden. This logical next step will give our committees the full power to gather all the facts and answers for the American public. That's exactly what we want to know, the answers. I believe the President would want to answer these questions and allegations as well. This effort will be led by Chairman James Comer at the Committee on Oversight in coordination with Chairman Jim Jordan for Judiciary Committee and Chairman Jason Smith on Ways and Means. (sighs) 
Prior to that statement, he said that his allegations are of abuse of power, obstruction, and corruption. He had said earlier they warrant further investigation. We've already had nine months of investigation where it's been documented, as I said previously, that it's more than just an abuse of power. It's been more than just obstruction of justice. It's been about treason. It's been about bribery. And there is documentation of it trending today on Twitter is no evidence. We actually had the likes of Chris Christie parroting the Democrat talking points today that there's absolutely no evidence that Joe Biden took a bribe, no evidence of corruption, no evidence of any money trail, although there absolutely is. There's evidence that ties him directly to conversations and meetings that were planned via aliases and alias accounts that he set up, email accounts under names like Robert L. Evans. I think, I think in fact, today we found out there's a fourth alias that he used. And after there's also documentation connecting these meetings and these communications to actual policy decisions after Joe Biden had been named as the, under the Obama administration as the person who was the point person for energy. So he's made the point person for energy. His son Hunter ends up, and this is just one instance, ends up on the board of directors and being paid 80 something thousand dollars a month for Burisma. He's it, it, he's it's documented now. He was on phone calls and in meetings with members of Burisma and others and other people like people associated with Zelensky. And then policy decisions were made. It's documented in the FD 1023 report that Joe Biden immediately after pressure from Zelensky and others and the, the president of Burisma then ended up using and exploiting taxpayer dollars to pressure the prosecutor Shokin from being fired in Ukraine, who was investigating Burisma. This is all documented. And so the point is, so then why do we need an inquiry? When you think about, say, President Nixon getting impeached, anybody recall an impeachment inquiry? When Bill Clinton was impeached, was there an impeachment inquiry? It's the first time I've ever heard of it. The only inquiry I'm really that familiar with is a death inquiry. When President Trump was impeached twice, was there any kind of impeachment inquiry? This is just crap. This is just an excuse. It's it's a carrot. It's it dangled in front of the in, in front of the conservative base and the Republicans. It's meant to con us into thinking that they're actually going to try to attempt to hold anybody accountable when they're not. I agree with Matt Gates, And by the way, I think that, that why did Kevin McCarthy suddenly pull the trigger on this impeachment inquiry? They're nine months into an investigation. All the people that he said are going to be, oh, this will, this will enable them to do proper investigations. Well, they've been telling us they've been doing proper investigations for years. We've got whistleblowers. We've got 20 LLCs. We've got 140-something suspicious activity reports. I've said before, and I mean it seriously, and it's documented, there's people on death row right now who have been convicted of murder on less circumstantial evidence than what we have right now. In fact, we have direct evidence of Joe Biden's bribery and treason. Donald Trump was impeached for a phone call. There was no inquiry. And then when he was impeached over January 6th, it was a sham trial. We've got more shocking information coming out of Jan 6. So why did, uh, later on in the show, so why did uh, Kevin McCarthy decide that he was going to pull the trigger on this inquiry today? Well, could it be because Matt Gates, Matt Gates took to the floor and said he wasn't in compliance, that he needed to be removed as speaker. And then after Kevin McCarthy came out with this inquiry, 
Here's what Matt Gates tweeted today. He said, no, no vote on term limits, no vote on a balanced budget, no plan to have individual appropriations bills considered, no release of J6 tapes, no spending cut to raise the debt limit. Trump has been charged with 91 counts. We haven't even subpoenaed Hunter Biden or any Biden for that matter. I know it is the tendency of political leaders to self-preen, but the truth is, is while some GOP House work has uh, some some GOP housework has made positive reforms, it isn't good enough. Not even close, actually. He says that what Kevin McCarthy has done is simply not good enough. It's far from being good enough. It's nothing. It's you and a party establishment protection of the swamp meant to shut us up meant to make us go on and 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 trust them when they've done nothing to earn our trust when nobody's been held accountable we're going to discuss this more later on the show but we're going to take a break and we come back we're going to talk to frank gaffney from center for security policy because there's more outrage today about the biden administration and joe biden himself regarding 9-11 and it's not just some outrageous comments that he made yesterday on the anniversary but it's the release of six billion dollars to iran today in a crazy prisoner swamp. And what is the president of Iran saying he's going to do with the $6 billion? Stay tuned. We're going to discuss that when we come back. Don't forget that we've got our podcast and you can download it wherever you download your podcast. You can always email me at andreacasio.com, andreacasio.com. In fact, I've got some emails I just might read later on in the show. And we also have a 24-hour hotline, 844-814-5227. That's 844-814-5227. And that's if you want to call in and give me a rant, you got something on your mind you've got a topic idea you want to share a guest suggestion a recipe just want to say, somebody called in with just, a recipe the other night somebody called in with a recipe yeah and it wasn't shared with me it was a recipe it, it, for disaster but it was a recipe well. <laughs> yeah now it wasn't um it, uh, just a fun fact if, if, if you want to get your your message uh, on the air please refrain from swearing Oh, yeah, because you know what, peeps? Uh, We may download a podcast for you guys to listen to later, but we're actually a terrestrial real-life radio show. (laughs) And so, yeah, I mean, I know you guys are used to watching Joe Rogan or something where people get to drop F-bombs all day long, um, but that's not how we roll here. Plus, we're kind of a little bit of a classy outfit here at Salem, so uh, keep it classy, San Diego, or from wherever you are calling. Um, But we do want to hear from you. So, again, the number is 844-814-5227. All right, so typically what's been happening in recent years is 9-11 oh you know hashtag never forget and everybody you know placates and you know and pretends like oh yeah I'm so sad for the 9-11 victims and then they move on well uh, we cannot be moving on so quickly particularly that even though it's the day after 9-11 because the fallout from the Biden administration is still happening in regards to the 9-11 anniversary itself, as well as policy decisions. Uh, so from Alaska, it's bad enough. So Joe Biden, in, in anticipation of the 22nd anniversary of 9-11, he flies all around the world uh, for no apparent reason, no set agenda that dictates that. I mean, even if even knowing he's a disaster at the microphone, at least if there was... 
some agenda item that made it at least seem like he was going on behalf of the United States in advance of 9-11. That would be one thing. But there's nobody can point to why he was over in Vietnam that was a, that was more important than being here in the United States for the 22nd anniversary of 9-11, particularly given the fact that then he tried to give a speech in Vietnam that went, that went so bad that at the end of it, he was like, I'm ready to go to bed. Literally, the leader of the free world announced to the world he needed to go Betty by. Okay. Then he decides to do an anniversary event for 9-11 from Alaska. Not exactly a location where American citizens died in the greatest terrorist attack in the history of America. On top of it, Rudy Giuliani, America's mayor at the time, uh, left one of the ceremonies because he said that of the talked about Kamala Harris and, and Joe Biden just being uh, so disrespectful to the 9-11 anniversary. In fact, Joe Biden, I should have I should have I pulled this clip for you guys. My apologies. But I don't know if you guys heard that Joe Biden actually said when he was in Alaska that because, of course, it doesn't matter what the what the tragedy is. It doesn't matter how somebody's lost their life or lost a loved one or a child. He's got to somehow make it be about himself. Right. Narcissist in chief, just like he was over in Hawaii telling Hawaiian citizens whose children were incinerated in a fire that he almost lost his Cadillac in a house fire in a kitchen. Uh, he is, is in Alaska and he's got to make it somehow about himself. So he talks and tells another lie and says he remembers being at nine 11 the next day. And he looked down into the hole and it was like, he was looking at the gates of hell the next day, a hole. First of all, he wasn't there. He was actually speaking on the Senate floor. Second of all, there wasn't even a hole at that point. You couldn't even get near the, the ground zero. We had first responders dying all over the place, looking for people in the rubble. We still had collapses taking place. It's absolutely despicable that he would try to hijack a moment and make it be about himself. But that's Joe Biden. Not unlike Barack Obama, who, and nobody was talking about this yesterday but me, the Benghazi Four. Remember them? Joe Biden's callous remarks yesterday were not unlike Barack Obama, who went to sleep as American citizens stood on a rooftop in Benghazi and fought for their lives for 13 hours, four of whom died. And Barack Obama got up the next day and went to a rally, a political event in Las Vegas, in which he fist bumped people the next day. Referred and then he referred to the Benghazi four as just, oh, they're just some bumps in the road, bumps in the road. Those brave Americans who gave up their lives, and it could have been a lot more, but for those Americans that stood on the rooftops, they had to find their own transport back to the United States. Yeah, the Benghazi Four. Nobody was talking about them yesterday. Maybe Joe Biden wasn't talking about it yesterday or referencing it, at least not that I heard, because he was in the process of, and this whole thing of hashtag never forget. I mean, you think about what went on in Benghazi. That was a terrorist attack that they blamed on a video, a terrorist attack that had been predictable it, because they had heard the chatter of it. They knew it was coming. And Ambassador Stevens and the rest of the team out there in Benghazi, let me remind you guys, sent over 400 requests for security and wanted to be evacuated. And those requests were ignored and denied by Hillary Clinton, who at the time was Secretary of State. And, went, and Barack Obama was president, but guess who? Current occupant in the White House was vice president at the time. And yet he gave a speech yesterday and saying, basically, the war on terror is over. Well, you know what? It wasn't over then. 
They could have stopped that terrorist attack in Benghazi in 2012. We've had continued attacks in the name of Islamic terror across the world in the United States since then. We've got right now an open border where a smuggling ring is being led allegedly, allegedly by an ISIS member. The Center for Immigration Studies, Todd Benzman's group, has documented that over 240 members of the terrorist watch list have come into the country and have been released. We've more than forgotten. After 9-11, we launched the war on terror, right? That involved the Iraq war. It involved Afghanistan. But did it really involve a war on the American citizens? We'll get to that in a moment. In the war in Iraq, in the war in Afghanistan and ISIS, the country, the state sponsor of terror that killed more Americans than anybody else was Iran. And yet today, the day after 9-11, the Biden administration made an announcement about a prisoner swap in $6 billion. Uh, DJ, if you could please play the clip, Biden releases $6 billion. This morning, five Americans deemed wrongfully detained in Iran are now one step closer to coming home. This comes as the Biden administration has issued a waiver, and that allows international banks to transfer a total of $6 billion in frozen Iranian funds from South Korea to Qatar without sanctions. The United States also agreed to release five detained Iranian citizens. This is all part of the broader deal. Natasha Bear. Oh, <coughs> That makes it okay to give $6 billion to Iran. They're supposedly releasing some Americans. I thought we didn't negotiate with terrorists. Now we're negotiating. We're not only negotiating terrorists, we're paying them off. We already gave hundreds of millions of dollars that were laundered by Barack Obama in his administration. $400 million, I believe, dropped off in the middle of the night with a cargo plane. There's no excuse for them giving $6 billion. Who are these prisoners that have supposedly been released? Remember the Bergdahl? Remember the, remember the Bo Bergdahl prisoner exchange? $6 billion. You think we're going to get anything for that money? Did the $6 billion come with some, I don't know, some conditions? Was it, you know, we're going to give you the $6 billion, but only if you, you know, stop beating your women on the street because they got a hair sticking out of their chair door? You're going you're gonna to stop burning women alive? You're going to stop, you know, with the political prisoners locally? You're going to be some regime change? They're going to do something good with the money? Well, here's the, the good old, um, oh gosh, Lou, I can't remember what his name is, Lee, gosh, I I can't remember this reporter's name, he's from uh, Dateline at NBC, uh, asked, they say there's no stupid questions, but I want you to hear this ridiculous question being asked of the president of Iran. Do you believe you have the right to use that money in any way that you see fit? This money belongs to the Islamic Republic of Iran, and naturally, we will decide, the Islamic Republic of Iran will decide to, sp- to spend it wherever uh, we need it. How to spend our money, of course, it is under the authority of the Islamic Republic of Iran. <laughs> You ask a stupid question. That was Lester Holt, by the way. 
not exactly Ben Bradley. I don't think anybody's ever accused Lester Holt of having in search of a lost time on his nightstand, right? He thought, and, and if and if you see the clip, he looks so serious in asking the question. You know, like, oh, he asked a really hard-charging question of this Iranian president. Do you think you've got the right to spend that money on anything that you want? Um, yeah. <laughs> Did Lester have a follow-up question? Like, can I have a Porsche? <laughs> Exactly. Can I get in on the uh, the party that's going to be happening in the tent tonight? <laughs> wow. <laughs> but Ooh, did I say that? What did you think the answer was going to be? <laughs> oh, no, no. We're not going to spend it all willy-nilly. No, 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 no. We're going to build a pharmacy. Yeah. Oh, we're going to send some to the our clinic. dear friends in, in Jerusalem. Yeah. We're going to send some to Benjamin Netanyahu. <laughs> well, props to him for being able to ask that without laughing. Well, yeah, I don't know. I mean, Lester, Lester doesn't seem to have much of a sense of humor, at least not amongst himself or, or the ability to self-assess, right? I mean, I know sometimes when I look stupid. I know when I say dumb stuff, right? I can, but really? I mean, he's sitting there all serious with, with a, you know, a pen in hand and a notepad. But in Lester's, in, in Lester's <laughs> defense, it's highly probable that he didn't even write the question. Is he writing help me on his notepad? Like holding it up for the camera? <laughs> help me! <laughs> That would be viral. <laughs> he does look a little bit like a hostage video. I mean, he, it does have that vibe, right? Yeah, it does. <laughs> you wouldn't be a little and, scared? Yeah, I would be. <laughs> and people are saying Tucker is like, you know, Tucker, because Tucker announced he, was, he wanted to interview Putin. And everybody in the left is all like, oh, my gosh, Tucker's going to interview Putin. He better have a security team. Somebody better be sipping the, you know, take, testing the vodka for him because, you know, he's likely to be poisoned. Look, Lester Holt had, d- took a much bigger risk <laughs> if he was, you know, well, depending on the conditions that he set up, you know, for the interview. Right. Um, but yeah, I don't think Tucker has anything to worry about. And I doubt that Lester Holt had anything to worry about either, because I'm suspecting too, that maybe, uh, the minister of propaganda over in Iran by the Islamic uh, Republic over there, maybe wrote those questions, uh, for Lester. Um, but on a serious tip, getting back to nine 11, When we're looking, and and, and after the next break, we're going to give you guys some updates on what's happening with some of the Jan 6 defendants and some, uh, a journalist today who was sentenced to 60 days uh, for speech crimes, by the way. Um, You know, others started reflecting in the past weeks, and especially on 9-11 yesterday, about the war on terror and how scared we all were at the time. And how trusting we all were at the time compared to what we understand today with the deep state and the swamp and the uniparty system and the establishment and and the weaponized government being run by a bunch of unelected bureaucrats within uh, the the mole trails of the government. We were so trusting at the time, but looking back, 9-11 was supposed to launch the war on terror, right? And in doing so... Americans were willing and complicit in at based upon fear, not unlike COVID, right? In going along with things like the Patriot Act. And the Patriot Act set the stage for what's happening with the federal government and the DOJ and the weaponized deep state that exists today. 
the tactics that they've used against Americans was born out of the Patriot Act. There are those questioning yesterday and today whether or not the war on terror actually began the, the war within the United States of these citizens against the U.S. government. And quite frankly, they're winning. The deep state is winning. How do you know they're winning? We have a special, an army special forces hero who after 9-11, Jeffrey McKellop, who after 9-11 saw what happened and decided he wanted to serve his country. He wanted to fight in the war on terror. And he did so. He managed to survive. He's now married with a daughter, I believe. The wife is named Daisy, maybe, and the daughter, Paige, or vice versa. He now sits in a gulag, according to him, and he has penned a letter to America that he is a political prisoner. He did nothing violent on January 6th. He went into a Capitol after the doors had been opened by the Capitol Police. And in doing so, he's been locked into a political prisoner gulag. This is a former hero of the United States of America who fought in the war on terror in Afghanistan. And he warned the American people, he said, it's been, it, it, you're being slapped in the face back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And you need to wake up and realize that what's going on is a war within the United States of America. And it is a battle between good versus evil. And the evil is the forces in this country who are trying to completely dismantle what our founders envisioned for this country, our constitutional rights and freedoms that are under attack. They're under attack in Jan 6. They're under attack in our elections. They're under attack by New Mexico Governor Grisham. We're going to talk about her a little bit later as well. We're going to take a break right now. And then when we come back, I'm going to share with you guys what journalist today has been sentenced to 60 days who never set foot inside of the Capitol on January 6th. We've got those topics and more for you. This is the Andrea K. Show on AM 1170, The Answer, FM 96.1, and streaming all over the world. You know, you can always email me at andreakshow.com, andreakshow.com. In fact, I got a couple emails here. I might be reading out a little bit later to the show. You can email me about anything, but I particularly love those that compliment me, (laughs) that tell me how smart I am, tell me how much smarter I am than that Lester Holt, by the way. I think if I was going to be interviewing with the premier, imam, whatever they call themselves over in Iran, I'd have a few more harder-hitting questions than... You feel like you got the right to spend that $6 billion on whatever you want? Um, I don't know, man. If they tasked me with going over there and talking, I'd be like, that is one smart outfit you're wearing, fella. (laughs) You are my idol. I wouldn't be saying anything. I want to go home in a bag. Well, this is true. No, your head would go home in a bag, right? And then the rest of your body would go home and it'd probably be put in a wood chipper. You know, up close, you're a real handsome man. (laughs) I'm just saying. The camels all say so. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Oh, Bring in security. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you for making me laugh, DJ Obligation family member, Obligation Hire. Man. Appreciate you here on the AK Show. DJ Sour Cream and Onion, by the way. Yeah. So oh. now you've had, you've had what, pretzel sticks? Charcoal? No. What were your de- what were your producers? I haven't had lump of charcoal. You know, charcoal is all the rage right now. Ah. I've got charcoal soap. I've got charcoal candles. I've even got some charcoal lotion. We may be on to something, my dear. Charcoal lotion. Yes. Is it made by Kingsford? <laughs> 
What is charcoal lotion? It, what is it? Look at what is it? That is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. It's fabulous. And what is a it's charcoal fabulous. candle you smell like? You need to get up on the trends, man. Okay, I don't know who you're following for your lifestyle advice on Insta, but whoever it is is letting you down. Well, it's if not they the haven't... Kingsford man. <laughs> Let me tell you, you want to smell yummy for all the people out there. You get you some charcoal, maybe with some some uh, pork rib scented lotion. Is it is it like is it barbecue smelling (laughs) like I just just drove by Dave's barbecue or something? (laughs) No, it's kind of like um, it's just it's more earthy and like because I, I don't really like overly florally scents, right? I don't like lotion that the only the only scented lotion I like is like pecan pie. Somebody gave me some pecan pie scented lotion one time, and let me tell you, it smelled fabulous. But what? I couldn't really walk down the street. Remember the episode of Seinfeld when Elaine had a mutton chop in her pocket and she was being chased by dogs? That's how it was for me with the pecan pie lotion. Was I mean, it, it smelled so what, delicious. Was it dogs People or was it like? killer bees or something <laughs> yikes all kinds of animals wanted to gnaw on me when i would so, wear the pecan pie lotion so i so i had to switch to more like just more earthy kind of stuff and believe it or not it smells really yummy charcoal toothpaste is all the rage right now too my dude oh i've heard about that because mm-hmm. like, they don't want to use the, the, the sand or whatever, sandpaper right. or whatever they use. And you don't use. go around breathing like you've been eating, chopping on the Kingsford, okay? You're the one spreading all that ocean. <laughs> um, but you know what? Maybe if they added like some charcoal bits, it would be a good exfoliant. Good idea. Um, how do I segue from that into Jan 6 and talking about, you know, something so serious as what's happening with these Jan 6 defendants? But seriously, uh, maybe- folks, like that. Oh, oh, seriously, folks, they're not getting any lotion of any variety in the gulag. Okay, we have American prisoners literally in cells where they've got a bucket for their bathroom, for a toilet, a light in their face 24-7, no clothes, no bed, and no bed clothes. That's what happened, ha- is happening to this country. And, and, and before the break, when we were talking about 9-11, I was saying that a lot of people on Twitter were saying that really the beginning of the end or what led to the tyranny we've got going on right now is the war on terror. That under the guise of trying to protect Americans from terrorism, the U.S. government has become the terrorist, using the Patriot Act and the means of surveillance as a way to surveil Americans and to snare them and snare them into uh, the dragnet and thrown into a gulag. And it's continuing. And as Matt Gates said, I, I referenced Matt Gates at the top of the show, that he's not impressed at all with Kevin McCarthy. Kevin McCarthy really needed to be, they needed to pull the trigger on vacate the chair about five seconds into him as speaker because he's done absolutely nothing and it's been obvious. And they've given him far too long of a leash. He's finally, in order to stave off them pulling the trigger on vacate the chair, decided to do some toothless impeachment inquiry when they've already got more than enough evidence of Joe Biden's crimes. Democrats, and then the other argument is, well, he, you know, they, the Senate is controlled by the Democrats, and they won't actually pull the trigger. The Democrats don't bother themselves with those kind of details. They love to go around because the American people don't really know the difference. Most people, all they care about is that there was a vote to impeach. Most people have no idea what the Senate's role is in the next step. The Republican Party never worked the Bill Clinton story of impeachment in the way that the Democrats do with Donald Trump. Twice impeached Donald Trump. 
40 something indictments indicted Donald Trump. The accusation is all the Democrats care about. But the Republican Party actually has evidence of crimes that have been committed and they still wouldn't even pull the trigger on an impeachment. Meanwhile, they're also not doing anything to stop, which could be it could be the reason that Kevin McCarthy and so many of the Republicans are unwilling to pull the trigger is fear, fear that they're going to end up like special forces army. I don't remember his title, special uh, what his rank was, uh, Jeffrey McKellop, who's sitting in a gulag because of January 6th. We now have a journalist his name is Owen Schroyer. I'm not an InfoWars Wars gal. I'm not even familiar with Owen Schroyer. He's a reporter and a host on uh, um, InfoWars. I guess he's supposedly a host on War Room, but I never see him on War Room. He was actually sentenced to 60 days in prison, and he never went inside the Capitol. In fact, he was outside the Capitol and he was warning on Jan 6. He was warning Trump supporters not to go inside of the Capitol because he felt that it was a trap that they were setting the stage. And if you and if you see some of the footage and, of course, another reason why Matt Gates is absolutely right on about Kevin McCarthy is that he's never released all the Jan 6 footage. He released it to Tucker and let Tucker pick uh, footage to be released. And that's not the way it should work. There was there's footage that's exculpatory, that was denied Jan 6 defendants. That is complete violation of our Constitution. And yet the Republican Party is still covering for the deep state who railroaded in a D.C. court where they were guilty and with no chance of being proven innocent and have been thrown in jail. And now we have a journalist who's, who's been sentenced to 60 days. And I know 60 days is not a long time. 60 days, anybody can get through 60 days. But it's the point. It's the inching towards and not inching. It's death by a thousand cuts. It's in this country of our freedoms. It's the precedent being set. If they can sentence somebody who never went inside the Capitol for a for a crime on Jan 6. Then they can clearly. Drag they can they could do it to all of us. What they did was. They initially charged him in August of 2020, eight months after, August of 2021, eight months after uh, Jan 6. And he fought the charges and he fought the charges. And, of course, part of the part of the strategy is to wear people down, right? They want to wear they tried to wear down a Proud Boys leader, Enrique Tario. They said, we will give you a lower sentence if you'll lie and say that Donald Trump was in communication with you directly or indirectly and helping to plan Jan 6. And he refused to do it. They want to wear down these Jan 6 defendants. They want to break them financially. They want to wear them down to the point where out of fear they're willing to they're, they're willing to commit, you know, lies just in order to not not not. And, and, and there wasn't an offer to Enrique Tario that, you know, if you'll say Trump lied, we won't prosecute you. No, it was just we'll give you a reduced sentence. He was still going to go to jail. So they try to get they try to get these defendants to flip. Evan Schroyer, what they did was after they initially went after him, they started using the Patriot Act and all the other means in which uh, we gave up our freedoms under the guise of uh, Islamic terrorism. And they started looking at his social media accounts. And the long story is short, 
is that he is now being sentenced to 60 days because of his speech. Now, Joe Scarborough, Joe Scarborough, who lies and pretends that he's a Republican, he's not interested in the truth about Jan 6. He doesn't care about seeing the footage because the footage will reveal all the lies that they continue to tell. The lies that that cops died on January 6th. That never happened. It never happened when they claimed that Officer Sitnik was killed by a Trump supporter with a fire extinguisher. And it's still not true today, but it didn't stop him from saying it this morning. Here's Joe on Morning Joe. The question is, how much can these Republican swing voters independents take? You've got January the 6th. <laughs> You've got the, the apologies for January the 6th by the Republican House. Mm-hmm. You've got them talking about these people that killed cops, uh, calling them. Uh, again, if you, if you don't think so, ask, ask the family. OK, ask the family who killed the cops and they'll tell you it was the rioters that Donald Trump whipped into a frenzy and sent to the Capitol. No cops died on January 6th. No cops died after January 6th because of anything that happened on January 6th. The only people who died on January 6th was Rosalind Boyland and an unarmed Ashley Babbitt who was shot at point blank range. That's it. Yesterday, we had the announcement Julie Kelly reported on the fact that we had the fourth suicide from Jan 6 defendants that were so beaten down, so left hopeless about their future and facing 20, 30 years in a gulag for doing nothing but walking around the Capitol on January 6th for suicides. That's what the swing voters need to be looking at. They need to be looking at themselves down the road and what their future might be like if this continues and grows work worse. We're going to take a break. We come back. Speaking of tyranny, Governor Grisham from New Mexico she, I don't think she expected that the likes of uh, gun control advocates like David Hogg or CNN were going to come after her for her gun snatch plan in New Mexico. But that's what's happened. And we're going to hear from her when we come back. Don't go away. Andrea Kay, telling you like it is, all while eating a donut. The Andrea Kay Show on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back. To tonight's Andrea K. Show, we truly are in a battle of good versus evil because let me tell you, evil is communism, where you have absolutely no freedoms as an individual, no individual liberty, no individual freedom. Oh, yeah, but the government's going to give you a roof over your head, give you a car to drive. Oh, no, they're not going to do that. And who wants one of them EV vehicles anyway? No, evil is a country that was founded on a brilliant idea of the U.S. Constitution, limited government, individual freedoms. And the way to stop an an overreaching government was through our Second Amendment. And there's a few little words in there that the lefties love to forget about, and it's called, shall not be infringed. That's our Second Amendment. Shall not be infringed. So do you think that New Mexico governor, I'm sure you guys heard that on uh, Friday over the weekend, New Mexico governor Grisham decided, you know what? We got an emergency on our hands. We got an emergency of children dying. There was a, a, an 11 year old named Froyland Villegas who died in a, in a uh, 
gang-banging incident, I believe, outside of a minor league baseball field. And, of course, uh, as Rahm Emanuel always said, let no crisis go to waste. So they have decided, Governor Grisham has at least, that, and you know, because you know the left is all, has been looking now. They never wanted to harden the schools or, or implement any measures that would, that would protect children's safety in schools. No, it's always about gun control, right? Well, she decided and uh, that she would declare an emergency in the state of New Mexico on children's death. And because of this emergency, she would uh, implement a 30-day ban on concealed carry. Uh, not, not the police, though, right? Not, not public. And she makes it so that way she could make it this announcement flanked by police officers that, of course, were armed in order to protect her and her safety. Now it's but the average citizens in New Mexico, they're supposed to be left unarmed. And I don't think she expected the backlash that she got from gun grabbers like David Hogg. You guys remember David Hogg, right? He's the kid that wasn't even at Parkland School the day it went down, but he became the face of the gun control lobby, right? Even he came out and said this was a blatant constitutional overreach, so much so that there are sheriffs in New Mexico that have said we're not going to enforce it. There's two state representatives that have said they're going to impeach her. I think there's now up to six lawsuits that have been filed. But Grisham says she's just going to ignore all that. Here's what she had to say today when she was a Told about from the, the sheriff. He joins the attorney general and others who say they won't enforce it. It's unconstitutional. Why do it if it can't be enforced? Well, that's their opinion. They have no bold actions. They don't have any plans for reducing gun violence. Every single aspect in terms of preventing gun violence, uh, funds, uh, uh, crime labs, uh, more than $150 million for retention bonuses and recruitment of new police officers. I'm focused on one thing. Uh, we have the third highest gun-related injuries uh, in the country, 90% higher than the mm-hmm. national average. We lost 143 children between 2017 and 2021. It is unacceptable, and it calls for immediate and swift and bold action. And frankly, the evidence bears out over and over again. Fewer guns on the streets makes everyone safer, and I'm focused on everyone's constitutional rights, not just those the NRA says I should be focused on. Um, None of that makes any sense whatsoever. She says that those that are criticizing her, that's just their opinion. No, it's actually the U.S. Constitution shall not be infringed. And she has no right as a governor to decide to pick and choose which constitutional rights that are strictly, specifically enumerated in the U.S. Constitution that she's going to uphold. She goes on to say that her critics, what plans or actions do they have? Well, they need to be they need to be plans or actions that are upheld under the U.S. Constitution. And there is no I care about all citizens, constitutional rights, not just the ones that the NRA cares about. That doesn't even make any sense. You don't take away or attempt to deny somebody their specifically enumerated rights in the U.S. Constitution in order to give some imaginary right to somebody else. For example, there's nothing in the U.S. Constitution that says you have the right to walk down the street. I mean, it's the, the role of, of the government to try to provide police and first responders to us to try to help protect us. But the government cannot guarantee you that you're never going to be the victim of a crime. That's not the role of the government, just like it was never the role of the government to stop you from catching a virus. 
They can't do it. It's not their role. And to make matters worse, she even admitted after she did this gun ban that it wouldn't stop any of the criminals because there's never been anybody who pulled the trigger and murdered a child if it, it, that had any respect for the law or they wouldn't have pulled the trigger and murdered a child, right? So then she revealed actually at one point over the weekend that she knew that the law-abiding citizens would be the only ones that would honor this ban, right? But that she hoped that it would bring attention to these law-abiding citizens and make them more likely to report crimes. So let me get this right. Let me make sure I understand. So her plan was, we're going we're gonna to attempt to deny somebody their constitutional right of self-defense and the right to not just keep and bear arms, and bear arms meaning to actually you know, carry it on you, because by making them more likely to be victimized by crimes and increasing the chance of them being a victim of a crime, they're therefore more likely to report a crime. That's literally what the plan is here. This isn't unlike Fast and Furious. Remember going back to the Obama administration where they literally did a gun running scheme down to Mexico that ended up resulting in the death of Border Patrol agent. uh, I think it was Daniel Perry. I think his name was. Because what they wanted to do was actually increase gun crimes with guns coming across Mexico in order to justify gun control measures. That's kind of what the play is here. Unfortunately for New Mexico Governor Grisham, and fortunately for the rest of us, she went so insane with her plans in New Mexico that even the hardcore gun grabbies had to push back against her and tell her she was insane. But one thing that you need to remember, though, from this that is similar to COVID is they're lucky in New Mexico that they've got some sheriffs that are saying they're not going to honor this ban. We had too many sheriffs who were elected by the people and responsible to the people alone and the U.S. Constitution and not responsible to to not. um, uh, They don't answer to political officials. They answer to the people because they're elected. And when you look at what went down in COVID, there were too many sheriffs out here in California and around the country that were willing to enforce illegal um, orders because these are not laws. She's the lawbreaker here. And quite frankly, somebody should have already done an arrest and put her in some cuffs and made her do a perp walk. There's been rallies and people saying, you're, you know, we're just not going to honor it. You know, I watched actually a really interesting movie over the weekend and it was called The Great Debaters. And I had no idea that it was a true story. I started watching it because and I didn't really know much about what the movie was about, but it starred Denzel and, you know, it's Denzel. So I'll watch any movie. <laughs> Starring the great, gorgeous Denzel. So I start watching this movie, and it's based on a true story out of Wiley College in 1935, where these young black students and this teacher, Tolson, played by Denzel, and he directed the movie, by the way, he starts up a debate team. And I don't want to give the story away, but one of the debates involves civil disobedience and the value of civil and, and the reason behind and the value of civil disobedience in a free society. And not only was it a great movie, but I was, it was so timely for me to see and hear these amazing words portrayed by these amazing young actors in this movie. And I encourage everybody to watch it. In part, one of the things that they, in, in the debate, 
and they were on the affirmative, obviously, for civil disobedience, was Gandhi. We need to be more like Gandhi. You think about what Gandhi achieved through civil disobedience, nonviolent protest. We need to be rising together. One of the reasons why we need to be rising together is because we're going to be looking at some upcoming mandates coming down the road. And we got to be willing to do our part to push back against the tyranny. All right, we're going to take a break. We're going to reset. we got hour two of tonight's Andrea K. Show coming up. My dear friend Brian Maloney of Red Wave America will be here. I want him to weigh in on the impeachment inquiry and other topics. So go get yourself a little something yummy to drink and sip on. And uh, then come on back. Hour two of the Andrea K. Show on its way. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 